and looked into the marshal's colt, held straight at a shoulder level, pointed directly at his face. I'll take your gun, the marshal said. Give it back when you leave. Allison stood motionless for a moment, looking at the marshal. You ain't got the stuff to face me even up, Allison said. No point to it when I don't have to. Take the gun out real slow and put it on the ground. Allison studied the marshal's face beyond the bottomless eye of the gun barrel. There was nothing to see in it. The marshal's gaze was as focused and blank as the colt that he held steady on Allison's face. Allison took the forty-five out of his belt, holding it with his hands on the cylinder, and bent forward and placed it on the unpaved street between them. Then he straightened it slowly as he had bent forward and smiled. "'You don't give a goddamn,' Allison said." The marshal kicked the colt away from them over toward the boardwalk in front of the St. James Saloon. His brother picked it up. "'You'd kill me and not mind it a little bit,' Allison said. Without comment, the marshal walked over, took the gun from his brother, and stuck it in his belt. Allison nodded, smiling more broadly. "'Hell, you wouldn't mind it all that much if I killed you,' Allison said. "'How do you know?' he said. "'Cause you're like me is how I know,' Allison said." Dying don't mean shit to you, even if it's you. He told Allison he could get his gun back on the way out of town. But Allison left in the morning without it, so the marshal sold Allison's gun to a gunsmith and gave half the money to his brother. He never saw Clay Allison again, but he thought of him often, though he never spoke of it to his brother or to Maddie, who lived with him and called herself his wife. In the winter of 1879, Dodge had lost its snap. Age thirty-one, he loaded Maddie and all they owned in a wagon and went with two of his brothers and their women to Tombstone, Arizona, where the silver mines were. He was there only three days when a show came to town from San Francisco. He went to see it. When he got into his seat and the curtain went up, all he could look at was one girl in the chorus. It was her face most of all, framed in thick black hair, bright with stage makeup, hot in the gaslights, It burned into his center self and stayed there, unchanged by time for the rest of his life. The eyes were very big and dark. The nose was straight. The mouth was wide. Her body in the revealing costume was opulent, and he was not dismissive of it. But her face seemed to him like the face of a god dancing in the chorus of Pinafore on Wheels. He went backstage afterwards, but it was the troops' last night in Tombstone, and they were already striking the flimsy set and packing the shabby costumes. In the busyness of departure, he missed her and shrugged and left the theater. Her name was Josie Marcus. He would remember it. He didn't know if he would ever see her again, but he would remember her name, and if he did see her again, he would be ready. In the months that followed, he still thought about Clay Allison. He wondered how much alike they really were. A lot of people thought Clay was crazy. Clay was supposed to have cut someone's head off in El Paso. He knew he wasn't crazy the way Clay was supposed to be. He knew he was more like Virgil, who simply went straight ahead without hesitation and did whatever had to be done without comment. But what Allison had said was something to think about, and he went back to it quite often. As he settled into Tombstone, however, he thought about it less. More and more he thought about being ready for Josie Marcus, and after a while... Clay Allison faded, and he thought about Josie Marcus nearly all the time. Chapter 1
The road from the railhead in Benson ended with an uphill pull into Tombstone, and the horses were always lathered as they reached level ground and finished the trip on Allen Street in front of Wells Fargo. They were blowing hard when Bud Philpot tied the reins around the brake handle and climbed down to help the passengers out. Wyatt stayed up on the box holding the double-barrel ten-gauge shotgun that the company issued to all its messengers for the stage run. The in-town guards were issued twelves. When the money box was on the ground, Wyatt climbed down after it and followed as Philpot carried it into the office. Since he'd hired on as a shotgun messenger, there'd been no hold-ups. And when there had been hold-ups, before he took the job, they had always taken place on the road. Still he saw little sense in being ready for no hold-ups, so he forced himself always to assume that one was about to happen. Wyatt rode the empty stage with Philpot on around to Sandy Bob's barn.